Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Because of who you are. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yes, yes. He's worthy. He's worthy. Just to be praised. Just because of who he is. Hallelujah. Yes, thank the Lord. Is God good? Yes. Someone told me yesterday he's great. <laughs> Amen. Minister Small, God bless you, man. Man, man, it's just a blessing. Oh, I just look forward just to worshiping God. Just the goodness of the King. He's worthy. He's worthy. I don't know what your praise has been like this week. I don't know what your, <laughs> your praise and ups and downs have been. <laughs> I just don't know. But tell you what, he never changes. <laughs> Amen. Today, <clears throat> right after church, for those who want prayer, if I can get a small water. Not a big one. Oh, Lord, Jesus, look at it. The Lord is good. came out of nowhere. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> My goodness. Ask and it shall be given. <laughs> Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door <laughs> shall be opened. <laughs> Listen, everybody. So today, right after church, if you want special prayer, Today, I believe Sister Michelle, is that you? or Who's doing the prayer today? Sister Michelle, will you be back here in the module? What's your, right back here. So if you want special prayer, if you have something that's on your heart, join Sister Michelle right back here. It doesn't have to be very long. I'm not sure how many may want prayer. But right after church each Sunday, we have prayer. So we just welcome, invite you to come and to worship and pray. Is my collar down today? Last week I preached with my collar up the whole time. Is it, is it down today? Y'all didn't even tell me. I got a note from my wife trying to tell me, but the phone was back here. And then Mark came after church and said, let me fix your collar for you here. Y'all just let me. I'm all cattywampus. I was like, yeah. y'all ain't Y'all ain't helping. Y'all supposed to be praying for me. Pa- Pastor, your collar is up. You look like you're trying to fly away. One glad morning. <laughs> Amen. I want to say happy birthday to Shirley Gray Williams, who's on the phone. Shirley, we say are saying happy birthday. Um, you can't say nothing either. Happy birthday to Shirley Gray Williams. I had to. I had to work hard to get that birthday. She wouldn't tell me. She wouldn't tell me. No, she wouldn't tell me. But I found out birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday, Shirley. <laughs> Haggai chapter two, verses ten through fourteen. This is how it reads. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priest about the law. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? The priest answered and said, no. Then Haggai said, if someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, the things he has just mentioned, does it become unclean? The priest answered and said, it does become unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, so is it with this people 
and with this nation before me, declares the Lord. And so with every work of their hands and what they offer, there is unclean. Hmm. We've gone from the first chapter where the Lord rebukes the people for not rebuilding the temple. And then they were adorning their own houses and let the temple lie in ruins. For over 16 years they wouldn't build. Then Haggai comes with a message. said, these people, they don't even honor me. Adorning their own places. While the temple lies in ruins. Then we find the people, around verse 10, I believe it is, chapter 1 of Haggai, go and began to work and a blessing comes. Then we have again, here at this place, 10, chapter 2, verse 10, where there is again this reminder that they are unclean. The title that I've given this message today is, You Need you need God's touch in order to be made clean. It's going to be this week and next week. It's going to be part two. Because we don't want to leave it off on the bad news, even though bad news can be good at times because it helps us. You need God's touch in order to be made clean. A point number one, I'll be just dealing with this, the assessment. The assessment. Unlike the previous messages that have come to Zerubbabel, to Joshua, to the people, their names are excluded here as Haggai begins. It is in the ninth month. That name of the month in the Jewish calendar in the Hebrew is Kislev, which we have our equivalent December. The message that Haggai gave is said to be December the 18th, 520 B.C. There's nothing special about this date in particular, but it is an important date because it is mentioned at least two or three other times right in this chapter. Haggai is once again identified as the one that's bringing the word from the Lord to the people. How important this is. I told you before, it is powerful and good when you have a person who will give you the bad news and the good news. Uh, Let me say this to you. When we look at the time of year that it was, the Bible oftentimes speaks of what's called the former and the latter rains. It doesn't say it here, but the former and latter rains. For the time here in Jerusalem and Judah, the former rains would normally be from mid-October to early November, or no, November, the winter, or autumn. And then from what we say the latter rains, It would be from late March to early April. This again is what we call a merism, M-E-R-I-S-M, where you take the extreme or the two opposites and it covers everything in between. So when he says the former and the latter rains, it would include any time of the rainy season within that period of time. Once the latter rain period ended, there would be no significant rainfall. So it was important that they would get their rain during this time in order for the crops to grow. It had been reported by some in Jerusalem that they would receive 70% of the rain between October and February. 70%. 
If you recall, the Lord said, when he said, I have rebuked you, I have stopped the rain. So that when you went to reap, you didn't reap what you thought you would. When one had gone out and thought that there would be 50 barrels, there was only 30. And bushels, 30, there may be 10. So when the Lord is saying, I touch your crops so that they wouldn't produce, it was because of the disobedience. As I said, isn't it great that we have Haggai who's willing to give the good news and the bad? You know, you will be very unpopular if you tell people what they don't want to hear. <laughs> you, you got me. Go stand on the street corners in San Francisco in certain places and tell them that God says, you shall not sin and see how popular your message is. Go certain places anywhere. And say, you shall not sin. And your message will not be popular. We have Haggai, a willing prophet, willing to say what God tells him to say. Today, many preachers have decided that people get enough bad news, and they say, I am not going to give them bad news. I'm going to only give them good news. I'm going to only say that which is positive. Well, let me tell you this. There's actually more rejoicing when people hear bad news and then hear the good news to come. It gives you something, it gives you more to shout about because it lets you know how wretched we are. <laughs> and how good God is and how God snatches us up out of the miry clay. <laughs> Let me say this to you. Some preachers who only want to say something positive, they may say something like, Thank God that he saved us and we are candidates for heaven because God loves us. All true. He is a kind God who loves people and wants to walk with us. We can have all hope in the loving God for God is love. That's a positive, powerful message. But it's not the whole story. Someone who might be willing to give you the whole story might say, Thank God that he saved me, a sinner, in rebellion against God. <laughs> I was on my way to hell because God's judgment was on me for violating his perfect standard. But Christ in his great love stepped in <laughs> and took my place against the wrath of God. God's wrath was directed towards me and Jesus paid the price for my sins upon the cross. Therefore, I have been declared righteous before God because of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. He satisfied the death penalty by giving his precious blood on Calvary for my sins. That's the kind of message I want to hear. <laughs> it lets me know that I have been in sin and there was a Savior that came and forgave me and continues to cleanse me. Not because I deserve it, but because he really is the great and awesome and powerful God. <laughs> the reason that you can have good news is that there was bad news. You really come to appreciate God more when he can pull you and take you out of things. 
The Lord revisits with the people that have come back from captivity. He revisits their sin, but he's not going to leave it there. <laughs> yeah, I know that people really want to be affirmed by good words. But the good news must tell you why it's good news. <laughs> In 2.11 it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priests about the law. In Deuteronomy chapter 33 verse 10, They shall teach Jacob your rules. This is referring to the priests. And Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and hold burnt offerings on your altar. We note the priest here that's mentioned that Joshua is referenced when we think about priests. But Joshua is not referenced here. It, it, it lists the priests, those that held the office. Haggai is now to speak to the whole priesthood. The priests were the ones to help the people to be able to understand the law of God. You rarely see the priest being Spoken to, when you look at those prophets, it's oftentimes the Lord that gives the word to the prophets, and the prophet gives the word to the priest, or to the people, let me say. But here we find that Haggai, in this rhetorical approach, speaks to the priest. We have here a note of ceremonial uncleanness or defilement. In verses 11 through 13, you should note this. These verses concern more so with the spiritual condition of the audience. It is concerned more about the spiritual condition of the audience. In verses 12 and 13, go back and let's see what it says. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment, this is what Haggai is asking the priests who know the law. And touches with his fold, that part which is folded, where the meat is. And he touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food. Does it become holy? And the priests answer correctly and say, no. And then he reverses and says, then Haggai said, if someone who was unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, the things he listed, does it become clean? And the priest answered and said, no, it does, oh, excuse me, that he, said, he answered and said, yes, it does become clean. In the Hebrew, they don't have really a word for yes. So what you find, they say a word or they say a comment twice. Uh, does it become unclean? It becomes unclean. It becomes unclean. And so when he first said, when the fold of the garment has meat and it touches that fold, Something, does it become clean? They say no. It is very emphatic. In other words, it is with an exclamation, no, absolutely not, it does not become clean. That's how you should understand it. You see, when the Lord set something aside, it was said to be holy. When some food or some object or something that was going to be used for his service was set aside, it was sanctified. It was set apart. For God's exclusive use. It was not to be used for anything else. It was God's exclusive use or use for that purpose. So when we say that someone or something is holy, the comparison has to be used in regards to God. 
He is the standard. You can't measure yourself by yourself. You can't say I'm holy because of me. You're not the standard. When they were building this building, they had to, I tell you, they had to use some type of measure to make sure it was straight and being built according to code. If I try to build my holiness on you, I'm going to grow up crooked. Why? Because you're not the standard. God is. Now, if I can look at you and see God, says, oh, how can I follow you as you follow the Lord? Can you point me to the right one? He, well, the reason that I'm walking as I'm walking is because of him, the Lord. That's what you need to know. In Leviticus chapter 6, verses 24 to 28, says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, and, the, and we talk about the law. This is dealing with the law, giving some of the scriptures. Speak to Aaron. Aaron was the high priest. And his sons, and his priests, and his sons were priests. Saying, this is the law of the sin offering. In the place where the burnt offering is killed, shall the sin offering be killed before the Lord. It is most holy. The priest who offers it for sin shall eat it. So when the, the priest would get their food from what was bought, they would be able to eat a portion of that the food because they worked in the temple and even in fact some they lived there but their work was prime was 100 percent in the temple and so as people brought their gifts they would receive a portion of the offering that was brought to the lord they were to eat it in a holy place it shall be eaten in the court of the tent of meeting verse 27 whatever touches its flesh shall be holy and when any of his blood is splashed on a garment you shall wash that on which it was splashed in a holy place. And the earthenware vessel in which it is boiled shall be broken. So when that holy meat or whatever it was was in a vessel that could be broken, they were to use it once and then break it never to be used again. But if it is boiled in a bronze vessel, that shall be scoured and rinsed in with water. In other words, it should be cleaned, cleansed and it could be used again. In Numbers chapter 19, verse 22, and whatever the unknown person, and whatever the unknown person touches shall be unclean, and anyone who touches it shall be unclean until evening. What's going on here? The Lord had, symbolically, he set up a system in which people could be Declared or made right with God. You see, we can never approach God on our own. And so in the Old Testament, you have all these rituals, all these laws. 613 laws in the Old Testament. All of these laws were pointing to Jesus. All of the things that God was doing was going to be fulfilled in Christ. But there were many things and rituals that they had to follow because of God's holiness. So when the priest was given something that was holy... The first thing that it touched, or when it touched, that matter became holy. But there was no secondary holiness or secondary conveyance of anything that it touched. So, example, when the priest had meat that was in his fold, holy meat, that which had been declared holy, if the fold of his robe touched something else, it didn't make anything clean. It could not make something clean. You cannot catch cleanness from a person. You can catch a cold. You can catch disease, 
But a person cannot convey or give you cleanness. If you touch the snow, you can make it dirty. But the snow is white when it touches you, does not make you clean. So when the Lord talks about cleanliness, the only thing that we're capable of transmitting and transferring is that which is unclean. So when the Lord is talking to the children of Israel and says their worship and what they're bringing to the altar is unclean, it's because they cannot convey or do anything else but give uncleanness. And the Lord is trying to make a point very clear that your sins over these years, I want you to understand, he's saying, the seriousness of what you've done. And even though he's going to bless them, he's saying that it is serious. So everything you've touched, even when you're building the temple, is tainted, he's saying. Even the offer that you're bringing to me at the altar is tainted. He wanted them to understand this. And so the question Can a person who touched something holy make something clean by their touch? No. But you can make it unclean. Only God's touch can make something clean. Get this. It was very systematic. It was very orderly in the Old Testament that when they were approaching the holy God who cannot tolerate sin, it was something that God says, be careful how you approach me. you got to go through all these rituals because why? I'm a holy God. And you can't just approach me in any way. It is me that's going to give to you. I'm going to place my righteousness upon you. So you can't say, I have something to offer God. I can say amen. I can say yes and be said no. It's God who has to charge your mouth and charge your mind and give you the ability to even accept him. Because the only thing that we can choose is that which is ugly. We think we choose right no. We can only choose that which is wrong. It is God who was totally good, totally awesome. We always choose that which is not. So when we talk about that which is holy, that which is righteous, it is God who gives us his blood, cleanses us from our sin. But the moment we touch something, it becomes unclean. You can give someone a code but you can't catch their holiness. You can touch something and make it dirty, but it does not have the ability to make you clean. We have the ability to defile. The conveyance of holiness can come only from God. And so the Lord, in this matter of them building and the pausing and giving this date, in the ninth, in the, on the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the Lord said, speak to the priests. They know the law. If a holy meat is placed on the fold, in the fold of his robe, and the fold itself, not that he touches something, does it make that matter holy? No. But if that person touches the dead person, why? Because oftentimes when you touch someone that was dead in the law, you had to be ceremonially cleansed. It required you to be outside the camp for seven days. You had to be brought back in the right way. There was defilement. You couldn't even eat the Passover or certain meals if you were defiled. God wants us to understand the seriousness of sin. And so what happens here, the people are rejoicing because they're building the temple and they're working. But oh, God is saying, understand this. Everything you're touching is defiled. You're building my temple. It's defiled. You're bringing gifts. It's defiled. What does it take? It's going to take obedience for them. 
But we're going to see next time what the Lord says. <laughs> the work that they're doing, we're going to see how God responds. Let me say this in closing. We want to thank God for the fact that he lets us know when something is not right. So that there can be a correction. Verse 14 of Haggai. Then Haggai answered and said, so it is with this people and with this nation before me, declares the Lord. And so with every work of their hands and what they offer there is unclean. We convey uncleanness. We confer that we can we we confer and give that which makes something dirty. But only God can touch and make clean. We tell kids, wash your hands. Your hands are dirty. No, 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 don't, 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 don't touch me. I'm clean. Don't touch me. I'm clean. You got muddy hands. Don't touch me. <laughs> I no, no, I don't want that mud on me. Well, when we come and touch something, that's how God sees it as mud and dirt, staining his righteous articles, his things that he set aside to be holy, is now tainted. But God says, what can we do? I'm going to let you know next week how God's going to deal with this. Part two of a series in Haggai, chapter two. Stay tuned. Our Heavenly Father, we love you for who you are. And we thank you that, oh, we have the clean God, the righteous God, the Lord who sanctifies, who can touch us. At any moment and make us clean. Woe unto me, Lord, I am a man of unclean lips. <laughs> oh, that tongues may be used and that a coal can be taken off the altar and touch my tongue so that it's made holy to speak the word of the Lord. We pray today that, God, we will allow you to touch us. <laughs> that we will hear the word of how God serious it is. How sin separates. How sin can be transferred. And Lord, it can, Lord, be a problem. Oh my God. But only how you can cleanse and make it right. We thank you, Lord, for that which has to be corrected. And we thank you for the bad and the good news. Because it really helps us to understand how great and good you are. The fact that. You even give us the ability to even call on your name. We thank you for your name is holy. <laughs> God, we, even, we can taint your name when we don't approach you right. So we humble ourselves before you this day and say how we love you and appreciate you. We give you the glory and the praise and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen.